This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're coming to you today after an 0-3 Purdue Sports Weekend. Purdue basketball loses in an exhibition to Arkansas. Purdue football loses on the road to Nebraska. And Purdue volleyball, ranked 15th in the nation, loses to unranked Illinois. So, not a great weekend in Purdue sports, Ryan. Am I overselling it? Uh, no. No, I don't think so. It was, uh, kind of depressing. The weather's starting to turn, too. You're getting that, like, mushy, everything soggy vibe. So, we need some pick-me-ups. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. So, we're gonna cover, uh, the basketball game in the first half, and then the football game in the second half, mostly because, uh, we're saving up all the ranting for the second half of the podcast. Um, but it is Halloween in a couple days. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday, October 29th. Halloween is, of course, Tuesday the 31st. Uh, Ryan, I think we've talked about this. We did this last year, but I want to check in. Uh, what is your favorite Halloween candy to receive? Ooh. See, I have... I, I think I have to go with a Twix bar. A solid choice. I love a Twix. Yeah. Twix or Kit Kat? Oh, you know, Kit Kat, I find, doesn't get the respect it deserves. I love a good Kit Kat. Absolutely. So, when but there also is something to be said about Reese's pumpkins. Oh yeah, I mean, th- whatever they do with the seasonal Reese's are always better than the normal. If you buy it, you know, a, a two pack in the store. Uh, I don't know. I, I right. feel like the, there's less peanut butter or less chocolate and more peanut butter. But uh, I would have to do some, you know, some actual scientific research on that, and I don't have that uh, time in front of me. Yeah, I know we've been alluding to that. Uh, I think we talked about that last year. Maybe I'll actually pull off a scientific experiment. <laughs> yeah, this there year. you go. I mean, what else do you have going on, right? Um, right. So, I don't know. Do you guys get trick or treaters where you're at? Are you in charge of picking the candy? Uh, it's very seldom we do. Um, it's declined, but I am not in charge of that. Okay. So it's. Just go out and buy a big bag is our household's kind of strategy. Gotcha. So I live um, in basically like a set of row houses. So, I mean, we're literally touching the houses next to us. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in – we sit in basically like a C, 
a neighborhood that's shaped like a C. So, I mean, there's an entrance, houses on both sides of the road, goes all the way around in a C shape, and then there's a road to exit to get back on the main road. Uh so if you're trick-or-treating, it's really easy because you can just go down, around, and you can you know make it a, basically like a, a lap twice, and you get about 60-some houses. Um, so mm-hmm. we are, of course, going to be trick-or-treating with our son. So I, you know, I've got to get a big bowl to sit out on the porch uh, to put all the candy in. And I went to yeah. Sam's Club like a month ago to get the candy because I was like, I'm not – Every year, I tell myself, I'm going to get the candy, I'm going to just be ready, and I'm not going to have to go to, like, Walgreens, like, three days before and just see what they have. So this year, I actually stuck to it, and I got, like, this, it had to have been, like, 300-piece mixture of Swedish Fish and Sour Patch Kids, Mm. and then another 300-pack of a mix of different kinds of Skittles and different kinds of Starbursts. So no chocolate whatsoever. No chocolate this time. No chocolate this time. Uh, okay. But these two bags of candy have been sitting in my kitchen untouched, unopened for like a month. Mm-hmm. And I just think I need to be applauded for that because I w- would have loved to just open it up and eat every single piece of that candy over the last month. Um, but right. today, today when I was... Uh, gone with my son at the park, my wife decided it was the time to open them up and put them in our big Halloween on the porch. So now okay. now it's open in, in the game. big Halloween bin sitting in my kitchen, uh, but I've somehow avoided eating it. But it's only been like that for about three hours. So we'll see where I am come Tuesday. I hope there's still candy for the trick-or-treaters. Save the biggest test for last, apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lord, why are you always testing me? You know, yeah. uh, I feel I like I'm already lie. a pro- I'm already a Purdue sports fan. Why do I need these additional tests? Right now, I won't lie. I would be disappointed if I trick or treated at your house. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, not even yeah. not like Skittles, not Sour Patch Kids. None of that is for you. You're just all chocolate all the time. No, 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 no. I. It's just the ones that you mentioned are not my favorite, like, fruity ones. Okay, what is your favorite fruity one, then? Uh, it's it's going to sound bad, but I like some Laffy Taffies. Oh, no, that doesn't sound bad. As long as it's not the banana, I can I can go with some Laffy Taffy. Everyone hates on the banana Laffy Taffy. Um, honestly, if you were to give me, like, Warheads, I'd be happy. Warheads like are good. I sour stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, Sour Patch Kids. So I'd say of those four you mentioned that you had. Yeah, that was going to say. That's my, like, okay, Sour Patch Kids are on the okay side. I'm not a big fan of Starburst, and I cannot stand Swedish Fish. Wow. Wow. I mean, I get Swedish Fish because they're a little tougher. Um, they can be quite mm-hmm. chewy. but it's like Twizzlers. Oh, I mean, let's pump the brakes there a little bit. I mean, Twizzlers are bad, but... Uh, let's not compare them to Swedish fish, but I understand they're in the realm. They're in the realm, but uh, I won't. I won't compare them to that horrible licorice that is Twizzlers that they've tried to sell us as as better than black licorice. Um, Twizzlers pull and peel. Are you a Red Vines family? Uh, I'm a I'm a leave licorice out of my house family. I agree. Uh, it, Twizzlers pull and peel are better than Twizzlers. Uh, still not great. I don't even know if they make those anymore. Okay. I have never heard of that, so... Okay, so this, again... I mean, I don't do Twizzlers in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. Showing my age there, so... um, 
So there's our Halloween catch-up. I look forward to uh, going through my son's candy and eating all of the good stuff uh, come Tuesday evening. Do you have his costume, though? He does have a costume. He is going as uh, Mr. Noodle from Sesame Street. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. For those that don't know, that is an old man who dresses in a bow tie and like a checkered shirt. He loves Mr. Noodle, and he has been so excited to dress as Mr. Noodle for like the last two months. Uh, he he also oh. chose uh, what my wife and I are going to be. Uh, my wife is going to be a knight, oh and I am going to be a witch. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I I don't um, know. I don't know. You know, whimsy when, of when you've when you've got a three year old, you just kind of like let things go, and you're like, "What do you want me to be, buddy?" And he's like, "A witch." You're like, fair enough. All right. Uh, so I have a witch hat and I have a broom and I'm going to dress in black and go around the, the neighborhood, I guess. Okay. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. We've delayed enough. <laughs> now let's talk about some losses. <laughs> uh, Purdue yep. headed down to Arkansas to play in a charity game for the United Way to benefit victims of uh, some tornadoes that had happened in Arkansas over the last year or so. Um, Purdue... Mm-hmm. Lost the game 81-77 to in overtime. In overtime, I should say. That is right. important to note. Um, but Purdue had a chance to win it in regulation. They had the ball with about 22 seconds left and ultimately resulted in a turnover with about seven left on the clock, I believe. Arkansas went down, tried to get a quick bucket, but couldn't convert. And so we headed into overtime, uh, tied at 69, I believe, was where we went into overtime. And neither yep. team really looked great in the overtime, um, but nor, um, Arkansas was able to pull away. And I, honestly, I mean, I thought it was a really great game. It was a fun game to watch, but I am not too concerned with anything that happened in this game, and it does not change what I'm looking forward to uh, during this season. So I want to level set with that right away. I mean, do you agree or disagree? I do, and honestly, it was the first time these guys have played in four months, and it was in probably one of the most hostile environments they're going to be in all season. Bud Walton Arena was actually, like, going off. So yeah, it good really on was. them for packing that arena, uh, especially for a charity exhibition game. Uh, I think they said the attendance was 19,200. Yeah. So more than in Mackey, for sure. Um but yeah, I don't think they had I don't think they showed everything they were going to do for the season. I think kind of Matt Painter keeps that reserved. That's kind of a Matt Painter thing. And it's an exhibition game, but it's quality competition. This was a win-win for everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it especially I think it, it's a great it's a great test for Purdue because Arkansas obviously is a very athletic, very long, very fast team, and that is something that Purdue has had struggled struggles with for years. Um, those are the kind of teams that Purdue gets beat by, um, and really, really, you know, just has difficulty with both in the tournament and in the regular season. And honestly, I think it was great that um, Zach Eady got in foul trouble. He had a foul almost immediately when the game started, and then he went to the bench, um, had a foul in the second, or I'm sorry, when he came back in at about the 10-minute mark, he got a second foul and didn't really play a whole lot in the first half, only ended up playing 24 minutes overall, and I I thought that was great because that is going to happen. Um, 
officials still do not really know how to officiate Zach Eady. There are going to be games where he's going to have to go to the bench, and Purdue is going to have to find a way to play without him. So to have that happen to him in this exhibition, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Painter, you know, slipped the ref a ten. Uh, to to call Zach Eady for a foul early on, you know, just it's an exhibition. It doesn't matter. Uh, just get him frustrated. See how the team responds to a little adversity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things you did see about Zach Eady was they made it hard to get that entry pass down to him. Um, and it's it's almost like you don't want a team to expose you too much, but you want to be specific in what you want exposed. For example, everyone knows that you're going to have to try and uh, limit Zach Eady going throughout the season. Now, Arkansas did that, but what does that tell you about Purdue? That you need to limit the reigning national player of the year? <laughs> right. Okay. So it's <laughs> Not a like newsflash. Like, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice you. You know what you got to do to limit Zach Eady. What about the other four guys on the court? So... It's yeah. It's almost like you're playing chess at the beginning of the season uh, over what you want to show and how much you want to be exposed. But um, some things that were very nice to see, as you said, him in foul trouble, so you know what a lineup without Zach Eady is, because there are going to be games where he gets fouls. It's gonna happen. But yeah. also, what are we doing at the four and five? Without Zach Eady on the floor. We that, need to know that. That is a question, yeah. And that's not just this year. That's for years to come. So we'll see kind of if Matt Painter starts toying with that, especially if Zach gets into foul trouble. But even if he's not in foul trouble, just let him rest a minute or two and get another lineup out there. And it could unlock some new sets or new schemes that you can – I don't think many teams are going to be scheming for life without Zach Eady. Right, right. I mean, if you're an opponent, you have to understand that Zach Eady is reigning National Player of the Year. He's going to be getting the ball. He's going to be trouble for you. And he's going to be out on the floor as much as you know humanly possible. So to see a Purdue team with him not out there, I think, was a good chance just just to see what they're capable of. You know, there were a couple things, a few things maybe that stood out to me about this game that uh, some things I didn't love, some things that I thought were were um, things that this team can build on. Um, you know, Lance Jones only played, um, I'm sorry, he played 27 minutes, but he was 2 for 11, did not look great shooting the ball, but I thought he was very active on the defensive end, um, had quite a few deflections. He was really going after it on defense. And that really, I mean, is what we need from him. We, of course, want him to back up Braden Smith, or in the case of, you know, this game, he did start. He started um, alongside Braden Smith, but I think most often he might come in as a backup to Braden Smith. And we obviously want him to be able to be a threat, to be able to score. Uh, But if he can come in and play solid defense, that would be a huge boon to this team. Um, to know that if Smith is off the court, we've got a guy who's coming in and is more than capable of of playing up to Braden Smith's level. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's why you brought him in, right? You yeah, saw exactly. The athleticism on defense, we knew what he was going to do. Um, now, will that offensive side catch up to him? 
I think so a little bit, but will he be as effective offensively as some other sharpshooters on the team? Maybe not. But again, we knew what Lance Jones was coming in. You got four years of uh, what he's done to kind of look at and fits the role very well what we thought he would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, the two two things that stand out to me that obviously I didn't love, um, 20 turnovers, um, obviously just way too many, way too many. Um, Braden Smith had seven. Of course, he played 37 minutes. I mean, he was out there a lot. He did go to the bench at one point um, with an apparent injury, but was able to come back in. Uh, saw some reports it was a lower leg injury, but uh, no details for sure on what that was, but he seems to have been fine because he came back in um, and played the vast majority of that second half. But 20 turnovers is just far too many, especially for a Matt Painter coach team. And then, you know, the big big thing that haunted this team last year and seems to to maybe, maybe it'll be a problem again this year. I don't know. It's an exhibition. We'll... We can't really draw a ton of conclusions, but from three-point range, Purdue 8 of 27 for 29%. Um, and that is just not going to cut it against solid teams like Arkansas and the rest of the ranked opponents that Purdue will face, especially when they head to the Maui Invitational. Yeah. Now, one thing I did get encouraged by that kind of contradicts that um, – or that I was discouraged by, I'm sorry – that kind of might explain the three-point shooting – Purdue only had 10 assists on 26 made shots. Like, I don't think I've seen an assist ratio that low in a very long time for a Purdue team. Yeah. It's almost always get the ball to someone and have them shoot and score. You're going to find an open man. So I'm not sure if Arkansas being so long kind of disrupted the ball movement so that Purdue had to force some shots up. I mean, it looked like it a lot at times, but I'm not sure if that was more so because of that disruption. But I think Purdue is a very system program. If you uh, are able to move the ball, you get your open shots, you make them, you're good. But if a team disrupts that, it absolutely can crash down. I mean, they are not a make-your-own-shot type team. Yeah, Purdue really didn't shoot well, especially around the rim. Um, Zach Eady missed quite a few shots that I think we're pretty accustomed to seeing him making, and some of those would have been, you know, uh, related to an assist, so Purdue's assist numbers would have gone up quite a bit there. Um, Eady overall was just actually 4 for 8, which it looking at it now, it feels like it was worse than it was. Um, I saw him miss quite a few. I guess I expected it to be a little bit worse. Um, Trey Kaufman-Wren, I think he played admirably, uh, but I, I don't think we saw the gigantic jump in him that we'd read about and heard about all season. But again, it's it's one exhibition game against Arkansas. We can We can sit here and talk about what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. Ultimately, this is a glorified practice. It's a glorified scrimmage. Doesn't mean anything about what we're going to see you know, in 10 days, nine days, whenever the first game is. So uh, I don't know. It's You want to take this stuff with a grain of salt. You don't know. Obviously, Painter and the squad wanted to win this game, but were they really going to, you know, put everything on the line to win this one? I, I don't know. And my, my last question for you about this, and then I'll let you um, pose anything you have to me. Do you think Painter is okay with losing this game? Because I think he might be a little bit happy about his team losing. 
I'm going to follow up this question with a question. Okay, switcheroo on me. Oh, yeah. Do you know how I know Purdue's going to the Final Four this season? <laughs> oh, God. Did Virginia also lose a game to Arkansas the year after they lost to a 16 seed? No, not quite. Okay. Um, this is the first time under Matt Painter yep. that they have lost an exhibition game. That is true. In 29 tries. Like... Something snapped, and now Purdue will finally break that streak. Yeah, and and before anybody in the comments comes at us, he Ryan is talking about specifically exhibition games. He's not talking about secret scrimmages. He's not talking about any of that. These are just exhibition games. Uh, this is the first loss of a, a Matt Painter squad of an exhibition game uh, during his time at Purdue. Fun fact, the 1985 Bears, I have to bring the Bears into this. Uh, of course, because why like wouldn't you? Five minutes. <laughs> they were 0-4 in the preseason yeah. went and won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, things happen. The same Bears team that went to the Super Bowl in 05 also 0-4 in the preseason. So if you do bad in the preseason, you're golden. I've... Maybe I'm misremembering, but didn't the year the Colts won the Super Bowl? Didn't they also do terrible in the preseason? They may have. I know that was against the Bears. Oh wait, wait, no. I think I'm misremembering. I the year the Lions lost every game, they went undefeated in the preseason. Uh-huh. That's right. what it is. See, it's an inverse relationship. Yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that one's true. I'm pretty sure the Lions went undefeated in the preseason and then lost every single game uh, during the regular season. So uh, you, you just it, it doesn't mean anything. No, no, it doesn't. So uh, we can I to answer your actual question, Matt Painter's fine with losing this game. It's almost encouraging that they lost this game. Get it out of the way early. You know, obviously you're going to have a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth, but if that's what it takes to go off and, you know, figure out how good it is to win when you've lost, especially after the loss of last year. Right. Go ahead, you know, get it out of the system early and then go forth. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, any anybody that we didn't talk about or anything that we didn't mention that you wanted to bring up about this game? Um, perhaps just Colvin only got five minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Colvin got five minutes. Waddell only got four. Um, Heidi surprisingly got twelve, but I, yeah. I would have to go back and look at the actual box score um, if it shows me minutes per half. But I don't believe Colvin even played in the second half. I I could be wrong um, there, but I don't remember him coming not. in in the no, second he did half. Not. Okay, so it's. It's one of those things you wonder how much of it is Painter literally he's he's playing to win the game versus how much of it is he just didn't have a good matchup in this one. I don't know. Um, it's an again it's an exhibition. Everything's kind of you know higgledy piggledy up in the air. Um, but it, it was a, it was fun to be able to watch Purdue basketball again and and nothing that happened in this game diminishes my excitement for this season. Absolutely, and no issues with SEC Network. Yeah, it worked fine. It worked fine. So kudos to them. Um, So there we go, folks. Uh, We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about Purdue losing to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So Purdue headed to Lincoln on Saturday afternoon, 3.30 kickoff, and just absolutely looks pathetic. Doesn't score till the fourth quarter. Final score was 31-14, to and it, it just, it was way worse than 31-14. to This Purdue offense is mind-numbingly bad at times, and they did absolutely everything wrong. Um, you know, the the defense wound up with takeaway after takeaway, including on the very first drive, and Purdue, w- whenever Purdue got a turnover, it was automatically a negative play the very next time. It, it was Purdue just taking themselves out of scoring position, taking themselves out of great field position, Every single time they got a takeaway, and uh, Graham Harrell continues to plummet in my esteem each and every week. Um, mm-hmm. I know that is just yeah. like I'm just jumping right in. Um, so if you have some overall feelings about the game, Ryan, go ahead. Now is your chance. I mean, it was just all three. Well, no, I won't say all three phases. Two of the three phases were just absolutely abysmal. The defense. The defense was just mediocre. I'll put it that way. I mean, nothing went right. It was, as you said, there was a fumble on the very first kickoff. And Purdue has the ball inside the Nebraska 35 and goes negative one yards on the drive. Like, I don't know how you can have such opportune moments and just do nothing with them. Then you have a Nebraska touchdown, their first of the day. Four plays later, Purdue throws an interception, and then you allow a seventy-yard or seventy-three-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, the on on the very first play after the manageable. turnover. Yeah, it still felt manageable at fourteen to zero, and then just all of a sudden Purdue could do nothing. Yeah, and a missed or uh, a blocked, blocked. field yeah. goal that goes for a touchdown. Like, my goodness, what what can you do correct? What is the identity of this team? Yeah, that is a good question. That I have seen so far. Yeah, there's only one thing I've seen that is consistent every single game. Well, perhaps two. The defensive line, which Kydren Jenkins and Nick Scorton have done a fantastic job this season. Yeah. Those two guys, you know, hopefully they don't lose them in the transfer portal at the end of this year because if something's not going right, I don't I wouldn't blame them for leaving. The other thing is Dylan Thieneman. That guy just plays hard nose and has a like heat seeking missile on his back to yeah. go get the ball. I thought he was gonna kill Harburg on that one tackle. Man, that was a tough tackle. Yeah. I mean, on offense, there's no identity whatsoever. Nope. Nope. I mean, who do you give the ball to consistently? Burks hasn't gotten the ball in several weeks, it seems like. Maccabee continues to have hands made of butter. Which, I want to stop you right there, because the commentators on FS1 
clearly have never watched Purdue football this season. Because Maccabi fumbles. We love Devin Maccabi. Dude needs to hold on to the ball. I mean, there's no two yep. ways about it. But they said mm-hmm. the normally sure-handed Devin Maccabi fumbles. And I was like, these guys did no homework. They watched last year. Yeah, well, they watched last year. Well, even last year he still had problems with fumbles, but not – I mean, this year it's just mm-hmm. so many fumbles. And to call him the a sure-hand – normally sure-handed Devin Maccabi, I was like, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. And now the the thing that – I think bothers me the most is the passing game. You brought in Graham Harrell to do a air raid offense. I get it. You don't have the personnel for it yet. That's pretty much the consensus across the board is you don't have the personnel to have that air raid system quite yet. Injuries haven't helped. We get it. But when the only play Hudson card can run is a slant or a check down that goes for negative one yards. Yeah. I, what are we doing here? There's got to be something scheme-wise that can fix that problem. Right. And right. Graham Harrell has not found it. Yeah, I mean, to, to piggyback off that, look at Hudson Card's stats for the game. 16 of 32. He threw the ball 32 times for a total of 100 yards. 16 passes for 100 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah. And how many of those came on the uh, touchdown pass? Uh, well, the long, long for the day uh, on a pass uh, was 29 yards. That was the touchdown pass to yeah. Jaden Dixon. Jaden Dixon deal. Yeah. So 29 yards so, of that came uh, on one play. So in essence, if you want to do that game, he was 15 of 31 for 71 yards. That's less than five a throw. It's I, just... Uh, and, and, and of course, he had two interceptions, too. Yeah. Yeah, and he threw more yards on those interceptions the rest of the day, it seems <laughs> like, because those were both deep throws. Yeah. And uh, and I, I in, in absolute fairness, Hudson Card, there were at least, I think, six drops on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, his receivers did him no favors. A lot of them were difficult passes. A lot of them would have been, would have been great catches. Uh, but, you know, they're still categorized as drops, and... His right. his receivers did him no favors, but man, uh, Hudson Card has a real problem because he I don't think he trusts his offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. He bails out way too early um, a lot of the time, and then when he's running for his life, he can't make decisions. Right. He either needs to tuck it and run, or he needs to throw it away. And oftentimes he he is trying to extend a play and then throws it away to barely get the ball to the line of scrimmage and avoid, you know, intentional grounding. And he just, he he takes way too long to make the right decision. And mm-hmm. oftentimes I'm not even sure he's making the right decision. I think the dude has all the talent in the world and could really be a star for this Purdue team. But right now he is not playing like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we see flashes of what he can do. It's just, I don't know if it's he's just not reading a defense the correct way or if just schematically nothing is working where no one's getting open. Yeah, and that's... I don't know what it is. That, I think, is one of the hard things about watching a football game on TV because you can only see what they show you. You know, you right. if, if you're in person, you can kind of see if a wide receiver is open down the field. If you're watching on TV, you can't see that. You don't know what... what 
the wide receivers are doing um, if they're open and he's not seeing them, if he's op- if they're open and he can't simply make the throw. We don't know. Um, that's what's frustrating about it, I think, to me. But it, surely it is not always on the wide receivers. Um, right. It's just and. and I, again, I'm trying to be as fair as I can to Hudson Card. Purdue does not have the greatest talent in the world at wide receiver right now, but I have to believe they have more than they're seeing, than we're seeing. Yeah. And the reason I bring up the not being able to just read the field or maybe not having your receivers open is just the amount of checkdowns he is going to. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be going to them a lot. Uh, or he'll... It's almost the issue of if he can't pick up a quick slant for six yards, he will not throw the ball unless it's a check down. It's like you get that first read or nothing else. Yeah. And I, that's that's a rough system to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really not putting anyone in a position to succeed. And, yeah. I mean, let's – I just want to look at some more numbers. I mean, 100 yards receiving – or throwing – Passing, jeez. Purdue um, then had, let's see, how many? Two fumbles. Mockaby lost one. Uh, Hudson Card fumbled but did not lose it. As far as right. rushing, Purdue had 96 yards. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, there nothing is working for this Purdue offense. And I, the fact that they're always finding a way to go backwards after turnovers, I can't let that go. Every time Purdue found themselves, the Purdue offense found themselves the gift of a turnover or, you know, a poor punt by Nebraska, whatever it may be, Purdue found a way to go backwards each and every time. And it was so frustrating. Um, We just, we couldn't take advantage of anything. Nebraska didn't want to win this game. I mean, they were just, they were playing poorly on offense. They were turning it over on special teams as well. And Purdue could not take advantage of anything, anything. And when you're a team like Purdue who has such a small margin for error, these are these are the opportunities you have to take advantage of. When you get a turnover, you can't just waste that good field position. You've got to find a way to score points. And Purdue, time and time again on Saturday, just could not do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not to mention... Purdue, nine penalties for 99 yards. Yeah. And that doesn't help either. Um, so I have a stat, and you kind of just laid it uh, halfway anyway, just of how awful the offenses were in this game. So the total offense, or the total yards of offense for Purdue and Nebraska combined were 85 yards less than the total punting yards. Oh, wow. So they punted 85 more yards than they had on offense. That's awful. Just (laughs) between the two of them, they had over 400 yards, or I'm sorry, over 550 yards of punting on 12 different punts. That's that's astounding. It was a nightmare. You know, I have another stat uh, just for you. These are, and this was was tweeted out earlier this, uh, this morning. These are the top okay. 10 worst Power 5 scoring offenses in college football. This is on a per-game basis through nine weeks. This is top 10. Mm-hmm. How many of them do you think are Big 10 teams? Six. There are eight. 
eight of the top ten worst Power 5 scoring offenses in college football are My Big goodness. Ten teams. The first, these are the, I'm going from worst to, I guess, less worse. Uh, number one, Michigan State, 18 points per game. Number two, IU, 18.6. Number three, our good friends over at Iowa, 19.5. And, and then we've got Arizona State. Uh, number five is Nebraska at 20.3, Illinois at 20.4, Minnesota at 21.1, then Utah. Number nine is Northwestern at 21.8, and then number 10, our beloved Purdue Boilermakers, 21.9 points per game. So eight of the so 10 worst five, scoring offenses are Big Ten teams. And five in the Big Ten West? Uh, Yeah. Now, just side-by-side side of that with the best punting teams in the country. Yeah, exactly. It's it's outrageous. I just mean, outrageous. And yet somehow when Purdue plays all of these teams, they end up scoring well above their average. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, as I said, it's, the, the yeah. Nebraska points per game is 20.3. They just dropped 31 on Purdue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, the only 24 of those were offensive. Well, there you go. There you go. Seven were allowed by the Purdue yeah. special teams. So uh, I guess right. you'll take that. But I, By the same point flip, Purdue only scored six on offense. True, true, because uh, the other the other eight were via a uh, uh, sack and uh, fumble six by, uh, was it Kydron Jenkins? Right. And then a two-point yep. conversion. I mean, that man is just a monster. Yeah, he's playing great. He's he's him and Scorton, as you said earlier, are really carrying this defense. I I guess my my fault was that I really truly believed that Nebraska missing all these players would make a difference, and it, I mean it did in a way. Um, the Nebraska offensive line was absolutely terrible. Um, Herberg was only six of eleven uh, for 122 yards, but I mean he had two touchdowns, including yeah. that that long. Yeah. Um, you know, pass to their uh, to Lloyd, seventy three yards. The only reception that guy had for the game. So uh, I thought it would matter more. Scorton and Jenkins did everything they could, but the Purdue offense just—they have no identity. This at this point, they have absolutely no ability to put up points. And next week they travel to Michigan, and it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, maybe Michigan. And will be sanctioned by the NCAA. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this might turn out to be a game that never happened when you look back in five years. But, man, right now, it, it is going to be probably one of the worst games um, in a long, long time. I don't imagine. Yeah, I it's, mean, I will they get to 70? Is That's really about the only question I have. Um, what Have you seen the spread for the game next week? The, the spread already is probably in the 40s. No, no. Um, it is thirty-two and a half right now. Okay, okay. I would have put it at like forty-one. I, but, no, I when my brother sent it to me to ask uh, what I thought of it and get, let me pick, I said it would be thirty-five, either thirty-five or thirty-four and a half. Would it was my guess, but man, mm-hmm. uh, Purdue is not looking good. This this loss to Nebraska effectively removes them from bowl contention um, because they're not going to beat Michigan. And that would then be seven. So even a best case scenario at this point is five and seven. Yeah. If nothing else, they saved us from going on a trip to Detroit. 
because that's where they would have gone. They would have gone to the quick lane bowl. Yeah. Or well, the pinstripe bowl. But... Oh god, the pin the one in the Yankee Stadium, that's a that's a situation. I don't know that I'd no. want to play there. Almost dodged a bullet. There. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it Coach Walters came into this game saying the team was in playoff mode. Well, we just lost in the first round of the playoffs and, and we're out. Um, for the season, so I mean that's that's all for this team. I mean they're not going to a, they're not going to a bowl game. There there's really nothing as as awful as it sounds. I mean there's nothing left to play for. Um, there's, there's the bucket. One thing to play for the bucket. That's it. Um, but I mean, man, they they've got to figure this out because this this offense has nothing going on, absolutely nothing, and unless they build on it. I don't know how much longer the fans are going to stick with it because there's a lot, there's a sour mood in the fan base. I'll be honest, there's a legit scenario they don't win another game. Mm-hmm. I know IU has been awful. I know Northwestern had turmoil, but Northwestern just beat Maryland. Yeah. So, and this is at Northwestern. Like, Purdue has always had fits with Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Michigan's not going to be a win. We know that. So there's a real chance that Purdue goes 2-10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not putting it past anybody right now. Um, I'm not sure I have the confidence to pick Purdue against anybody for the rest of the season. Well, it's just... That was ooh. lovely. That was lovely, Ryan. Thanks for ending it with that. Yeah. I mean, what other way is there to end? That's right. That's right. Well, well, folks, that's it. We'll be back with you later in the week to look ahead to Purdue's uh, game against Michigan at Michigan under the lights. Oh, boy. Uh, for, for Ryan and myself, thanks so much for joining us, folks. Boiler up. Hammer down. <laughs>